Welcome to Talent X, the Talent Experience Podcast featuring authentic conversations on the future of work, empowering you to better understand and deliver a best in class, future proofed career experience. For more insightful conversations, visit talentxpodcast.com. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Talent X Podcast. Hello, I'm John Holland, and welcome to Talent X the Talent Experience Podcast. Today's guest is Stacy Gordon. Stacy is a diversity, inclusion, and career strategist and the CEO of Rework Work. At Rework Work, Stacy works to reduce bias in recruiting and barriers to hiring. She focuses on reworking how companies work by creating inclusive workplace cultures. That includes how they recruit, hire, and engage women and professionals of color. Stacy is also a highly rated coach practitioner who has facilitated coaching of chief diversity officers and other diversity and inclusion practitioners. Stacy is also the creator of the second most viewed course at LinkedIn Learning, quite an accomplishment. And Stacy is rapidly nearing the milestone of having reached more than 1 million unique learners. Her unconscious bias course has been translated into several languages and has been featured by LinkedIn, Microsoft, and Virgin America, which is now part of Alaska Airlines. Stacy earned her MBA from Pepperdine's, Pepperdine University's Grazia Dio School of Business and Management. So we have that in common because I graduated right before she started with an MBA as well. And she also has a SHRM SCP certification as well as the SHRM Inclusive Workplace Culture Credential. Lastly, Stacy has a book coming out later this month titled Unbiased, Addressing Unconscious Bias at Work. It's a resource for employers, managers, and HR professionals seeking to create and sustain healthy, inclusive, and equitable workplace environments. Sounds like you're pretty busy, Stacy. Tell me a little more about the book and when we can get a copy. Yes, thank you. Um, I am excited about the book because it is coming out in just a couple of days, March 30th. Uh, you can actually pre-order it now. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and all your favorite book sellers and retailers. So that's really cool. Um, and the book, you know, it's really sort of a, an action manual to help people, uh, you know, after last year, uh, everything that was going on uh, in terms of social justice and Black Lives Matter, and after George Floyd was murdered, you know that everyone was, you know, felt like the dumpster fire because we had the, the pandemic on top of that too, right? So. <laughs> it was quite a year. <laughs> yes, it was one for the history books. <laughs> well, indeed, that is great to hear. Uh, writing a book and having it published, huge accomplishment. So congratulations on that. I look forward to, uh, to re reading it. We have a lot to Thank talk you. about right now, and our time is tight. Why don't you talk a little about why companies bring you in and hire you and um, to help them with their diversity and inclusion practices? What do you talk about when you first show up on their, on their doorstep? Well, the interesting question is, you know, first, well, why do they call me, right? Um, why I show up and why they call me are sometimes two different things. Um, and so I'm usually getting called because, um, you know, they've started a, a DEI council and they're not quite sure what to do, um, or they are looking to offer unconscious bias education. 
Um, and then the other reason is that they want to hire a chief diversity officer. They're like, hey, we need somebody in charge to, uh, you know, to manage this process. And so what we find is that those are the three main reasons that I get called. Um, what happens, though, is when I go into the company uh, and we start to talk about it, I'm usually like, those are great, um, but we need to back up a little bit. And we need to really look at why do these things need to happen in the first place, right? Why do you need to hire a chief diversity officer? Why have you started a DEI council? What's going on within the company that we need to talk about? And um, that requires us looking at engagement surveys, talking to employees, and really getting at the heart of, uh, of what the culture looks like in, in the workplace. Do you find that companies, organizations, and leadership teams do they actually know how much that they that they need to do, or you sort of that they, they they know that they do something, and you sort of are a wake up call for you know yeah you need to get into this, but there's a lot more here that you need to dig into. It's a mix, right? Like some companies know that they've got some issues. They know that they've got some leadership issues, or they've had some issues within with employees in the workplace. Um, others are doing it because they, they, they know they have to do something, their employees are asking them, and they're a little bit, um, uh, I don't want to say uncertain, but they're really unaware of what's going on. And so when you have employees telling you that we probably should do unconscious bias education, right, um, that, that's telling in and of itself, right? Um, and so if your employees have to come to you and tell you that you need it before the leadership has really said, hey, this is something we should do, that's a problem. Um, when we will hear a lot from leaders who will say, well, we don't actually have any issues because no one has said anything. And I'm like, that's the biggest red flag there is, <laughs> right? Because if no of one's course, talking yeah. at all, that's a huge red flag because people should be discussing what is happening. And if you're not even talking about it, that's a problem. Uh, it means that people don't feel safe to talk about it. So people come from all different avenues um, and we have to kind of meet them where they are and, and show them how the, the view that they have might not be the right uh, vision at, at this time. <laughs> Would you uh, say that the work you do is short-term, let's say, you know, under six weeks, or is it long-term, or does it just vary a huge amount when a company brings you in? Yeah, it definitely varies, and it's, it's funny because I was just having this conversation with one of my consultants today, right? Like, we don't like to do the, you know, the, the one-and-done kind of, let me just come in and do unconscious bias education. Um, but what we find is that people do have to start somewhere and there are lots of companies that have never tackled this issue at all. They've done nothing. Um, and for some of them, they have to start there. They do have to at least have some awareness. There needs to be a conversation starter. And we do, we do something called sparking a dialogue, right? Where we, it's just being able to get in and start to have a little bit of conversations and really you just stepping your, your baby toe into the water, right? Uh, to see what that's going to look like. Um, but for others where they know that they've, you know, they've been doing engagement surveys, they have some data, they understand that they might have some issues, they've done some education, it's a longer term in engagement. We um, are working with their executive leaders and doing coaching. We're working with their individual contributors and doing uh, learning labs and workshops. And we're working with their you know, um, talent acquisition teams and helping them with their recruitment um, efficiencies. Um, you know, we were talking a little bit about what a rough year 2020 was. What's your perspective on the impact 
of the pandemic and the subsequent lockdown on diversity and inclusion in the workplace? And does the fact that we have so many more people working remotely today have any effect on that? Yeah, I mean, there's a study that, that's that been done, right, that shows that women have been impacted greatly. We've, we've been set back between 10 and 20 years in the workforce. All the gains that we've had are just gone um, because many times it's women who are the ones who have either left their job so that they could be the primary caregiver in the home because the children are at home 24-7 now, right? Uh, I know my own, uh, my my fourth grader, wasn't in school for an entire year. It's literally been a full year that she had not stepped foot on her campus. So, um, you know, that is definitely an issue. And then you also have where both parents might be at home, but the children are still going to the mom as the primary caregiver. So she's in a meeting and she's the one that's being interrupted repeatedly, right? They walk right past their, their father and go to the mom. Now, is that happening in every household? No. But is it happening above the norm? Absolutely. Uh, I want to talk about your new book for just a second. I was reading some of the marketing materials for Unbiased, and one that jumped out at me said that although it's increasingly common for businesses of all shapes and sizes to appreciate the importance of diversity and inclusion in the workplace, many are often unaware of bias in the cultures they've created. Can you talk about that a bit? I think you sort of touched on it a little bit about when you go into companies and they say they haven't seen any problems, but can you just expand on that? Yes, definitely. Because, you know, what we see is that um, there is a, a pervasive sort of myth, right? That, that workplaces are, are equitable. Nobody wakes up in the morning, right? And says, I'm going to go into work today and I'm going to be discriminatory and I'm going to exclude people and I'm going to ensure that, you know, nobody other than white men get promoted. Like, that's not what happens. <laughs> what happens is the, the systems, though, the, 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 um, the way that things are set up, are, they're just set up to work that way. So when, for example, and I'm going to use the name John, right? <laughs> when okay. John goes into work, and because um, and, I'm sure you've seen the statistic, right, that uh, there are more CEOs named John, I believe, than like all female CEOs in total. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? I mean, wow. Um, it's just amazing. It, it is. It really is. Um, but, you know, John goes into work and John is taking his friends to lunch. Right? He just says, hey, I'm taking my friends to lunch, uh, you know, pre-pandemic. Right. And he doesn't see that as exclusionary to anyone else or anything wrong with that because he's just going to lunch with his friends. And there is nothing wrong with that. However, in that lunch is where he's going to talk to these coworkers and they're going to get additional information from him, right? They have access now to information that other people wouldn't normally get access to. And it's as innocuous as that, in that this group of people that you're consistently with, they're the ones that get the benefit of your knowledge. They get the benefit of the information. They get the benefit of hearing about things first, and get the benefit of, of like, oh, well, you know, proximity. We pick people who we know and who happen to be close. It's like, oh, you're right here. You know what, Bill, take this, this, this client and, uh, you know, go, go work on this project, right? 
It's not because you favored Bill over Jenny. It's just because Bill happened to be there. And why is Bill there? Because you're always with Bill, <laughs> right? Like we have to look at our networks. We have to look at who we're around. So those are the systems that we have in place. And the only way to actually change what we do is we have to deliberately make a decision um, to make a change. We have to actually say, wow, I'm not going to pick on Bill this one time. I'm going to make sure I bring everyone together and I give everybody an opportunity and I really look at who could be the, the project lead for this project instead of just picking Bill because we happen to go to lunch together and I told him about it and Bill said, hey, I'd like to do that. And I was like, sure, why not? Because that's how it normally happens. That's a really great insight. And um, I'm sure um, we were talking uh, about this and you, you had a quote which stuck with me and I'm sure it has a lot to do with what you just talked about but but you said I want to be the grain of sand in your shoe talk about that a little bit because that's a great quote um, although I, I think it means a lot of di different things talk about that somewhat yeah I mean uh, not that I want to be you know known for being annoying right <laughs> but I really want to be that irritant. I want to be the reminder to you that, you know, you've now heard me say these things. You now cannot unhear them. <laughs> so you can't go back to your workplace and say, I didn't know. You can't go back to your workplace and say, well, I, I, I didn't intend to do this because now you, you know, you are aware, right? Ignorance is not bliss. Um, and so now that you know better, you have to do better. And I really want to be that reminder. Like when I hear people say, you know, fit, I always say fit is a, uh, another word for bias. When you talk about culture fit, you really mean bias. Like now that you've heard me say that, you can't unhear it. And you can't ever say the word fit again without hearing me say what you actually mean is bias, which means you now have to do something about it, right? Or you have to admit that you're acting out of bias. It's one or the other. So it's like, I just want to be like that little like devil or angel or whoever on your shoulder going, hey, we've got to do better. We've got to change our behavior. We can do better. We should do better. And especially if you're a leader, you are, um, it's your job to do better. Well, and the whole grain of sand, like analogy, I think to me, it's about, you know, pushing to get out of your comfort zone because when you get out of your comfort zone you learn a whole lot and suddenly you're exposed to a lot of different things that when you're in a comfort zone you just don't get exposed to you know so um you know it it, it kind of has that has that flavor to it so i like that a lot definitely works for that too yes <laughs> tell me just just for a a moment what was the um, driving force behind your book because books take a lot of work so it's a real gigantic accomplishment thank you and you know it, it the driving force behind it was just the idea that as I said I, you know I, I, I want to reach as many people as possible I would like to get these concepts into the, the, the minds um, of as many individuals as possible. And the best way to do that is, um, you know, obviously I have the unconscious bias course on LinkedIn. Um, as you mentioned in the beginning, it's hit a million unique learners. And actually to be 100% transparent, not just the unconscious bias course, that's the, the course in addition right. to the other three that I have. So I have, I have four courses total. But 50% of that, actually more than 50% is 
learners to the unconscious bias course. So my goal is just, I just want to be everywhere reminding people that we can do better. And so that is the, is the goal of the book is to give people a, a guide, you know, some information, a reminder of um, the things that we can do because we, we get into a space too, where we're kind of like, Oh, woe is me. I really can't do anything. And I'm like, yes, you can do something, right? We all can do something regardless of our role in the company. We can all do something. And so we have to get out of that mindset of, you know, it's too big of a problem. It's too large. What can I do? Like, there's tons of things that you can do. And um, I've detailed quite a few of them in the book. Well, that's great. And I know a lot of people will want to read it just for that, if not for all the rest of it, too. But, um, you know, yeah, it's getting people out of their comfort zones and challenging them and letting them know that they can make a big difference. Those are really important things. So I can't wait to read the book. So that's great. And finally, you know, these things go really quickly, as I warned you before we started. Um, so we're, we're down to the end here. And here at the Talent X podcast, we wholeheartedly believe everyone should have a job that they love, one that they're passionate about. So Stacy, what do you love about what you do? Well, I think you can all hear that I'm very passionate about what I do. Um, Absolutely. I, I love this work. Um, it, it's, I, I love what I do. And the reason I love it is that I get to um, really just turn the light bulb on for people, right? I love being in a, a session and you, you literally can see the light bulb come on when you're talking to individuals, people who have had one way of thinking of things. And I think what I love about what I'm able to do is show the other side, right? Show how to have some empathy. Also, just thinking about just that mind shift, mindset shift, right? Showing how that, that, uh, that small shift can make a huge difference. And so being able to have um, some impact in that way is huge. Well, Stacey, thank you so very much for spending a little time with us here. Great to see a fellow Pepperdine MBA doing so well. And we're really looking forward to your book, Unbiased, Addressing Unconscious Bias at Work. And I know you said it's going to be on Barnes & Noble and Amazon.com and all the usual places. I know it's going to do really well. So uh, we, appreciate you. You. we appreciate you being here a lot. So for the Fuel 50 Talent X podcast, this is John Holland. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Talent X Podcast. For more talent experience and future of work conversations, visit talentxpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at talentxpodcast. Or join the conversation with hashtag talentxpodcast on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. Talent X, the talent experience podcast, was brought to you by the fabulous Fuelies at Fuel 50.